The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Well, good week once again. Welcome to episode 47 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast, presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. 47 episodes. Hard to believe, but uh, here we are this week, and finally, talking about some real hockey again. My name is Chris Falco. He's Brandon Crow. Crow, welcome back to the WHL season, bud. Yeah, did I do this last? Did we do the last episode? Was I in this hotel room? I think I was. Um, n- I think I was. Because I was going to say, if not, you'll notice a different background because I'm in Regina. No, no you were there. You were there. Because okay. beca- because last uh, week, you were there for the start of training camp. Right. Because, right. yeah, okay. yeah, we're already into so this. I was going to say, either way, we, we're into a whole new environment. Like, I mean, you and I still got our Billy's Beef hats on. Yep. But we're wearing all sorts of different hats these days in the office and on the on the interwebs. Because That's for sure. Yeah. We are back, and we are full-on Wheat King hockey mode. I know fans uh, at home that I've talked to and, and people around – uh, are just pumped to see the team back. I mean, you're pumping out the content. Uh, I'm, I'm pumping out the radio content. We're, we're working as a group to get all the information out there to give fans something to be excited about. And it, it, although it's March and it's starting to feel like spring and it's almost playoff time in the old school theory of a Western Hockey League schedule, we're just two games into this thing. And, uh, man, I told you guys in our group chat after the Saturday night's win over Winnipeg, I was so fired up. Like I was vibrating just like, the rivalry between Brandon and Winnipeg goes right to the radio booth. I love Mitch Peacock. He's one of the nicest human beings on the planet. But if I had to, I'd take him out. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the rivalry goes right up to the booth. So I loved it. Loved a big win. And uh, it was so awesome to see the team back on the ice. Those jerseys are beautiful. Uh, it was just awesome. Great stuff. I've, I've all I've, I've often spoke uh, or often spoke about the about the post game buzz that you get after a home game that it is legitimately hard to sleep for hours after. I mean, even though there's some nights where like, I, I won't leave the arena until midnight or later, by the time I get home, I still I'm I'm up for at least two hours after. It just you just you can't calm down. Didn't quite have that same effect, I got to say, on Saturday night with it being distant. But there was still a post buzz that did take me till at least two in the morning. Um, and that's not including the time change, which then made it three in the morning, which <laughs> really sucked this week. <laughs> have a game night on that. Um, so, you know, in that respect, maybe it did feel kind of like old times because I couldn't get to bed till three in the morning. But, uh, you know, normally, yeah, like after the game, you're just buzzing for hours and hours and, and can't really calm down because, you know, when when this is what you do and this is what you live for and you have so much fun doing it. Um, and when it goes well, especially like a season opener, uh, you know, that's one of those cases. But, yeah, I mean, still the two in the morning when 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 it was all done and it was our season opener from the standpoint of people watching online. The game on Saturday compared to Friday, the Saturday's game had all the Week King content. So off the top of the broadcast on the stream, it had the Week King intro video. All the commercials was was the Week King inventory. So you kind of got the Week King feel. And of course, you had Brandon crow calling the game where crow on friday night flows are watching uh they didn't even have the option uh this year uh, as of yet they're still working on that but as of yet it's only of course the home team broadcast so in a lot of regards saturday really felt like more week king hockey than even friday did yeah and it's kind of weird like i'll be honest with you being in regina and watching the pregame 
We King intro video roll in, in the in the Pats arena. Like it's kind of weird because I'm looking at the Jumbotron and out of the corner of my eye, I can see like the Dale Durkatch and the Jordan Eberly like retirement number banners of the Pats hanging in in the background of the corner of my eye. But yet I see like you know Brad McCrimmon and and uh, you know like all the legends Hextall prop on the screen. So it, it it was really a bit of a of a mind game to get over that, but. Uh, it was cool. And you know what? Uh, good on you guys for trying to make the players feel like they're at home. And uh, I do want to give a shout out. I just got to pull it up here in my book, my score book. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, uh, but I'll be able to find it here in a second. He's the public address announcer for the Drina Pats. Dave Zabo is his name. And uh, Darren Zabo, sorry, Darren Zabo is the Regina Pats uh, public address guy. He's really good. He's one of the better guys in the league uh, for clarity and, and real good. But he, he's been flipping back and forth. So Brandon was the home team on Saturday, and he really put some extra zip behind the announcements to make the players feel like they're somewhat at home. So it was uh, – oh, I'm getting a phone call here. So it was uh, uh, certainly cool, and, and they're doing the best they can to make the players feel like they're at home. So it, it's neat. It's weird. It's fun. It's unique. It's everything. Every adjective I can use to describe it, I, I'm, I'm trying. But it's hard to find the right words. And through the first two games, I mean, I, th- I think it's been working. The Wee Kings have been playing some, some pretty decent hockey, all things considered. I mean, after not playing as a team for the year, you knew that game one, it wasn't going to be the, the crispest hockey. It was, it was going to be a couple of sloppy passes and you're going to just have to have to grind your way and see what happens. And then, you know, and they, and they came back in that game and pushed the Mushaw Warriors to OT. You know, then you come out and you do that provincial rivalry. Weird provincial rivalry being played in Saskatchewan, <laughs> yeah, in but Regina. uh in Regina. But uh but but still they come out and they do that, and you're just like, okay, three out of four points, great start to the season. Of course, there's a lot of hockey to be played, but in the first two games, I mean watching on video is one thing, but Crow, after you called a couple of these Jake Chase on, uh, who compared to last year, it seems like he's ready just to step up and be an absolute difference maker this year. And it looks like Braden Schneider is a man playing amongst boys out there. It's funny you say that about Schneids, and I'll touch on Chase on in a second. I did, we're recording this Monday, March 15th, and it'll come out Tuesday, which is game day. So I did, right before we did this, I did my pregame interview with assistant coach Todd Miller tonight before we recorded this. Uh, for tomorrow's game. Uh, just with the way Zoom works, it's easier that way. So it's funny. I asked him about Braden Schneider because he was around in Barry with Aaron Ekblad, who is currently a great D-man with the Florida Panthers. And I said, are there any comparables to Braden and Aaron? He said, both of them were men among boys. And it's funny that you said that. It was word for word, exactly what the assistant coach Todd Miller said about Braden. And you can just tell the confidence. He's one of the only guys that's played as much hockey against competitive teams. He's got the world junior experience, the pro experience. He's one of the few guys that's ahead of everybody else when it comes to games played, and you can just see it. Uh, but Jake Chason, I knew there was something special here with Jake. The first time he joined us for a media availability during training camp, the way he spoke to myself, to you, to Perry Bergson on that call, it's a totally different kid. Jake's normally a pretty shy, pretty quiet kid. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever had him on the radio before because normally you leave the rookies alone, let them get their feet wet. They're a little nervous. They don't want to do interviews, that sort of thing. But the way he's speaking, the way he carries himself, the way he's around the rink and the way he's performing on the ice, this might be a special year for a guy like Jake Chason. There's a reason the Weekings drafted him where they did and got him in the situation that they did and put him in as a 16-year-old. But he, him and Braden Schneider leading the scoring, if you'd have bet money, on who is going to lead the team in scoring through opening weekend, I bet you you wouldn't have picked Jake Chase on. 
Uh, but uh, certainly from a secondary scoring perspective, guys like him have got to go. And uh, to replace the the Burzans, the Reinhardts, the Kelly and Kellys, it's great to see. And uh, you can't find a nicer kid than both him and Braden. Um, and it's it's really cool to see. So we got a long ways to go. Three games this week. Um, it, it's going to all happen in a hurry. But uh, certainly it's been fun, man. I It sucks being, I mean, being stuck in Regina. It's not great. I mean, I've got more freedom than the players. I can go out and grab a burger or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, when that puck drops, that three hours when you're in that window, you forget about everything that's going on. You forget about COVID. You forget about the rules. You forget about everything. And it's just fun. And I know that that's exactly what the players are feeling too. Yeah, it, it was just so nice to see. Uh, I've been waiting to see Reed Purpleluck crush somebody for a long time. And I am so glad that that finally got to happen. Reed, <laughs> Reed, Reed Purpleluck and Brain Schneider have got to be leading the hub in bodies rocked by a country mile already through two games. Like, have you watched, like I've, I've watched a couple of other games or at least pieces of them, not, not complete games, but I have yet to see some physicality like we've seen through our first two. I would, I would guarantee, and I will make this claim and any other radio personality or media guy in the league can call me out on it if they want, but I will take this. This is the hill I'm willing to die on. There is not a player in this hub that is wired like Reed Purpleck. You know, I, do you remember the movie The Blind Side uh, yeah. with Sandra Bullock yep. about Michael Orr? Okay, so in that movie, and I just watched it this weekend for the first time, oddly enough. So early on, when they put Michael Orr, this big monster of a kid, onto the defensive line, and he's, or, uh, yeah, and he's not really doing it. He's just not, he doesn't have that edge. And then the mom, Sandra Bullock, comes out and says, would you ever let anything happen to your little brother? Would you ever let anything happen to your little sister? And he goes, no. And she goes, you got to protect them. And all of a sudden he becomes like just crazy and goes all the way to the NFL, wins the Super Bowl. Perps to me is like Michael Orr in that situation. He's got all the tools and he just needs someone to say to him, you got to protect the boys. And that is wired in his head. And he will go to the end of the earth to protect anyone wearing that black and gold sweater. The guy is just, he, he's the ultimate teammate. You hate to play against him. He's a guy that I would probably equate to Riley McKay in Saskatoon the last few years. Everybody hates him unless you're on his team. And, I mean, Perps Perps will go to the end of the earth for any of his teammates. It doesn't even have to be a dirty hit. It can be just a loud hit or a questionable hit or a chirp or a stick in the wrong spot. And he is always patrolling and keeping his team safe. He's he, He's done it the right way. He hasn't done anything illegal he hasn't you know he's not crazy he's not running around like happy gilmore taking a skate off but he's doing it the right way and he's an intimidating guy in over 24 games that's going to play a factor here inside this hub but i will go on edge on the record and say there's nobody wired like reed purpleck in this hub I'll tell you that right now when you talk to him about his role in any of the interviews he knows exactly what he's doing and he's talking about i'm just there just to create room for the other guys just to create a spark he just wants to lay some body so he he's he does know what what, what he's going to bring and even just the stare down alone you talk about everything else just having him stare down an opponent that alone it's just would, would, would just send shivers you always you always hear the stories about the tough guys. And I mean the era of the tough guys gone in the Western Hockey League. Like Perry Bergson did a great story on Randy Ponte today. That era is gone. There is no designated tough guy. There's no fighters anymore. You know, there's guys that can do it, but it's not the same as it was. But you always hear the stories of guys like Randy Ponte, who was just nuts in in junior and crazy on the ice, but is the nicest guy, softest guy after. And it's the same thing with Reed. I remember the first week he was here, we went on that Alberta road trip. 
And he pulled up a chair in a post-game meal in Calgary, sat next to me, and part of me was like, oh, boy, what, what, what's this guy going to be like? You know, he's crazy on the ice. What's he going to be like in the meal room? And the first thing he said is like, hey, I'm Reed. What's going on? I want to know all about you. What, where are you from? What's going on? How did you grow up? How did you get involved in this? I want to know. Like, just personable guy. So it's like something flips that switch. You know, he puts those skates on, a switch flips, and he becomes the ultimate guardian protector of that team. And he's created room. He's laid the body. I've had a lot of fans text me that were watching that said, holy smokes, 28 is just, he's just creating so much room out there. Yeah. That is exactly what he's here for. So uh, I love it. I love everything that's going on. Uh, Brett Hyland scoring that goal. That was awesome. Love to see it. A guy that's so special. So special. Uh, I mean, anytime the guys get their firsts, even to get into the first games, uh, you know, and then so you got uh, Zimmer, you got Danielson, you got Rorisma, who all got their first action. Logan Hammett got his first taste of WHL action. Um, very, very special nights. But to get your first goal, and what a beautiful goal Hyland scored, too. I mean, it was off of a great feed from Chase on, uh, but uh, just just an absolute bullet. A lot of firsts and a lot more firsts to come with this uh, with this team. How special was it? I mean, it was you know partly due to a suspension uh, with Ridley Gregg for the three games. But how special was it? Uh, you know, for for free for you to call and get to see the three first liners play on the same line, or sorry, the yeah, the the, the, first the three first round picks yeah. play on the first line. It was. I was unsure of what to expect when I saw that. Like I, I talked to Donnie uh, McGilvery in the morning and I said, okay, what are the line combos? You know, gave me the details on the game, you know, typical radio guy conversation. And he said, okay, uh, we're going to have Rorzma with Danielson and Zimmer. And I thought, okay, maybe to start, you know, I thought, okay, maybe to start the game, you know, they might get a shift or two together and then they'll split them around. Nope. Stuck to their guns. Those three were coming over the boards as a trio and they didn't look out of place at all. And I talked to Todd Miller, like I said before, he said, not at all. Those guys are going to be good players. And what better time in a situation where they've preached development, they've preached uh, growth uh, of your roster. Why not? What's there to lose? You have absolutely nothing to lose. These guys, these three guys playing together, they're going to play together on the Brandon Weekings for a long time. And it's ironic that Perry put out that baby blue article today on the Shen, Glennie, Calvert line. I, I know those are big shoes to fill, and I'm not comparing them by any means through two games. But if these three can even turn into half the players, those three were as a group, what a home run, what an absolute home run by Darren Ritchie uh, in the 2019 draft. So pretty cool. Uh, all three guys out there together. That th- This is a weekend. Those three guys aren't going to forget anytime soon. And, and someday if you and I are still doing this podcast in four or five years, when they're 20 and two of them have gone to the NHL or all three of them are, we could say, Hey, we saw something back then. We saw something special back in that crazy hub. So, I think it's cool. I think those guys will never forget that. Yep. And then this is also the weekend that Ethan Kruger gets to now, you know, take over starting netminder role. And he was fantastic through those, those, those first two games. There was a lot of highlight reel saves. Both those games, um, you know, could have went the other way very early if it wasn't for Krug's basically standing on his head at times, but he was flashing that leather. His glove looks oh, quick yeah. through the first two games. And I think aside from the OT winner, where Tate Popple slipped that one five hole, and you could tell t- to me as a former goalie, I, th- I think Kruger thought Popple was going to shoot high. So Kruger and made you've been just, fooled five hole a uh, lot of times, so <laughs> you know exactly hole. what he was thinking. I had a six hole; it was just extra big. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even have a five hole, but I'm, I'm, I have a sneaking suspicion. Just the way the play was, that Kruger thought Popple was going to go high and just delayed just a second going down to stay big. And Popple slid along the ice. So realistically, yeah, you want that one back. Whatever. Those are going to happen. 
Aside from that, though, there were three or four highlight reel saves. A nice left pad save that flashed the leather glove save on Lambos. Uh, he scrambled, he battled, uh, he was all over. And to, for a guy that hasn't played since February 29th of 2020, to come in and, and post you know 40-plus saves in two games uh, combined, pick up three or four points, really helping his team do a victory, great job all around. Donnie was, was really complimentary of the whole group on Saturday. I would agree with him. It was fun to watch, and uh, hopefully there's more to come. Uh, we got three games this week uh, against the defending champion Raiders tonight when you listen to this. And then we got Swift Current uh, coming up as well. And I think Regina, right? Yeah, Regina on Saturday. And Ridley will be able to come back uh, to that game on Saturday against Regina. So uh, certainly looking forward to what this week and what the next kind of six, seven weeks play out here in Regina. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. But right now, you know, this team is on the verge of doing something great. We're going to talk to somebody who is a part of one of the all-time best Wheat King teams. Joining us now on the Weekly Harvest, former Brandon Wheat King, a guy who, like we were just talking about, tearing up the ECHL to start this season. We got Tyler Coulter. Colts, how are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? We're doing really well. Wheat King hockey is back. Uh, you know, ho- hockey in general, where we got a lot of alumni who are tearing it up. As we record this, there is like a scoring frenzy going on in the NHL with, 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 with guys that you have also played with that we're going to get into here. Uh, it, it's just been a wild time to, to, to be a Wheat King fan and get to follow hockey again. Uh, but how are you? How are things, uh, how are things going for you down there? I mean, we know that you're doing good in the score sheet, but, uh, how just, how, how are things? Yeah, it's great down here right now. I mean, it's uh, definitely been a little bit different of a season. You know, you go to different rinks and there's no fans. Some I knew our rink were allowed fans. We had a sold out crowd the other night. Uh, just really fortunate to kind of have that normality back in life. But it's been uh, really good down here. I mean, hockey's back, like you said, and that's all I could ask for is to get a full season this year. Falco was touching on it. So Jace Howerlick scores tonight. Cole Reinhardt scores tonight in the American League. Provi's got a goal and an assist, and Vegas is about to drop the puck with <laughs> with Reeves and Stoner. So it, it's a big day for a Brandon Weeking. Did you see Howard looks cool? I did actually. I got the game on in the background here, and I was just watching it finish up, going to overtime. But that was classic Howard Luck goal. I mean, he was just grinding away in the corner, and then all of a sudden the puck scored three, and you know he's going to find it. Quite the celebration, too. That uh, looked like he was getting rid of a monkey on his back, I think. Yeah, you could tell there was something more behind that one. Who who, who had the best celebration out of all the Weekings on the championship team that year? Because there was a lot of goals scored. Yeah, this might be a little biased to my line mate, but I think it was Patty because it was the exact same celebration every single goal, no matter how big the goal was. <laughs> To have your same celebration every single goal is amazing to me. Yeah, the thing about Patty was, you know, you never, you saw a little bit of emotion, but it was always like, I I can't even really describe his personality. How would you describe his personality? Because to me, it's kind of like a pot of water that's boiling with a lid on. You can kind of see something's going on in there, but you don't really know what's going on in there. It's like every scenario that he's in, he's been there before. (laughs) So there's, if you keep try to dig deeper, there's nothing there. I mean, he's always just calm and cool. And that, and that one celly, that one pose made it into a bobblehead. So I guess it's kind of an iconic celebration now after, after a goal. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's same every time. There you go. Well, Colts, uh, let's get into it a little bit here, talking about your path. Because, I mean, from a Brandon hockey fan perspective, going back to your first year of midget back in 2011 now, 
I mean, think about that. That's 10 years ago, um, if not a little bit longer. Um, so from that point on, you know, two years uh, of, of AAA and then, you know, the long five-year career with Brandon, you know, you spent basically your entire life in Brandon. And then the next thing you know, you're in Jacksonville, Florida, and then you're in Sweden, and now you're in South Dakota. So after an entire life of living, you know, basically in the same house, going to the same rink, same routine every day, you find yourself probably at one of the farthest points away from Brandon, Manitoba in Florida. So talk about how you ended up in Jacksonville for your first stint in the East Coast Hockey League. Yeah, so right out of junior, I mean, uh, my only goal was to play pro. And I actually signed with Allen Americans in Dallas, Texas, and went through camp there. They had a lot of guys coming down through the American League, which, I mean, we still see now all the time. Uh, it's pretty common, but I was traded to Jacksonville, who was an expansion team, and really neat. I mean, I got there. The home opener was two days later. Uh, was fortunate enough as a rookie to dress in it, and it was a sold-out crowd, 17,000. Really cool first pro game. I mean, couldn't have asked for any more, and you leave the rink, and it's 25 degrees out, and go down to the beach or go hang out, go for dinner on a patio. I mean, it was a really cool life. That's uh, after a game in Brandon, you know, you go across the street to Browns, your truck might not start after. It's uh, pretty neat being in Florida. And I mean, we're golfing, going to the beach. I learned how to surf while I was there. Not well, but I uh, stood up once <laughs> and it was just a really neat life. I mean, it was something different and it was a really cool first pro experience. But then you go to University of Calgary to finish, you know, that season because, of course, we all know the the rules about taking advantage of your schooling. Was that less of about chasing pro and more about trying to get a bit of an education, or, or what went into the decision to come back to Calgary? Yeah, it was it was a little bit of both. I mean, it was good to take advantage of the scholarship while you still can. Uh, the rules on it are pretty tight. You can only play pro for, I believe, it's less than half a season before you have to make your mind up. But at the same time, it was also, it was a different in Jax. I mean, I think I was still maybe a little underdeveloped to be playing pro with 35-year-old men. And there was uh, definitely the highs and lows. I mean, um, definitely for the first 10 games, it was finding your footing. In the last couple of games, it was starting to feel good. And then we had guys get sent down. And I thought maybe Calgary was the right time to get away, mature a little bit in my game and stuff like that. But uh, after a semester at Calgary and a handful of games there and playoffs, it just uh, wasn't enough hockey, but definitely for me. I really miss the pro environment. Playing under McCrimmon for so many years, you're just taught to be a pro, and that's what you want to do is just play that many games a year. So it was uh, right quick. I mean, Jacksonville again the next season. Um, we had a ton of forwards. I think I came into camp, and there was 20 guys there. And, I mean, there was only 10 jobs. So 10 jobs and still guys coming down to the American League. I was then sent to Utah, which is now Rapid City's rival. And then uh, got fortunate enough for a contract in Sweden to come up. And I went over there and spent some really, really, uh, I think, valuable games in Sweden. I mean, I played a season there where I got to kind of refine my game again. I mean, I got to skate on big ice, which definitely helped me develop my skating a lot because it's either you move or you don't have the puck. So there's definitely a big game. There was no dumping and chasing. There was no real hitting almost uh, unless you needed to. It was definitely a skill game where I kind of learned a couple of things. And I mean, their practices over there are just vastly different. There is no 
line rushes, no in zone stuff. It's a lot of individual skill and trying to develop players. So I definitely couldn't have asked for any more out of that country in general. I mean, they did such a good job. And then I was traded at the deadline in Sweden to the first place team and ended up promoting a level to the second league and winning a championship. So that was definitely uh, a fun year over there. And then bringing it back, uh, signing in DCHL again with Rapid City. And last year was, I mean, great, got cut short, but kind of trying to pick up where we left off. Sweden sounds like an absolutely amazing country to live in. What was it like there, like compared to Canada? It's very clean and very healthy. Everyone is very active. Uh, There's not a lot of times you'll just see traffic jams. There's a lot of people that ride their bikes, walk to work. It's a very environmentally friendly country, I find. Was your... And everyone... So sorry, I was going to say, was the was the weather like nice, like 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 you're in a decent part then, where people could do that all all year round, or close to it? Yeah, I was uh, I was actually really fortunate. I signed in the southern part of the country, so I was only about an hour from Copenhagen, and then an hour train ride to Germany. So I was very close to both borders and right on the sea. So it was just I saw snow once or twice, and then near the end of the year in playoffs, we actually had to go on a road trip that was 17 hours north. And where we went, the snow doesn't go away all year. So we went up there for one game and came back. <laughs> 17 hours. That's like a quick trip to Portland and back. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how game. I felt. <laughs> and they gave us big parkas and like snow pants for when we got there. And I got up and I think when they opened the train doors, it was about minus eight. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about Rapid City because, you know, for whatever reason, the Rapid City Rush have always had a bit of a Manitoba connection. And, and whether that's, you know, going back to, to the late Blaine Jarvis, who, you know, was an inspirational guy there and, and unfortunately uh, passed away way too soon. But then you got, you know, Dan Tetro, a former Wheat King, and there's just lots of Manitoba connections through that Rapid City program. So, was your resume with Brandon what flagged Dan or, you know, did Krim help you out with that? Or how did you get hooked up? Because it seems to be working out for you a lot better statistically than it was in Jacksonville. Yeah, it was definitely through Daniel Tatro. I mean, uh, he knows my mom and dad quite well. They were uh, fans of the Week King and they were around when he was playing. And then, I mean, the Kelly McCrimmon connection with him, I'm sure, had something to do with it. But it was actually a lot through Josh Elms. Um, I trained with Josh in the off season and he was here. He was telling me how great it was. It was definitely a bit of a push in the right direction. We came down here, we were roommates and it was just really nice. And then as soon as uh, I seemed to sign and Peter Quenville signed as well. So having your old line mate come down definitely doesn't hurt the uh, chemistry. And I know guys like Quentin Lissaway have played here as well. So it's uh, it is quite the connection here, but definitely all stems through, Tatro and Brandon, just that connection. He seems to find his prairie boys and bring them down. What was that like, that moment that you found out that you're going to get to play pro hockey with Peter Quinville, a guy that you played junior with? Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of unfinished business with Pete. I mean, he we were uh, close in Kelowna to winning the championship, and being the line mate, it was amazing how fast our chemistry came back. Uh, it was pretty funny. A couple of nights, we'd line up against Tim McGauley in Utah, who was our centerman, <laughs> and uh, we'd make jokes like, Tim, are you sure you don't want to come play for our side? It's, it's pretty neat uh, playing pro against some of your old teammates, especially with your linemates. So what's been the biggest difference on the ice? Because through 14 games in Jacksonville, you only had four points. 
But then you go down to Rapid City in your first year, you score 24 goals, and now you're at a point-per-game pace. You're tied for first in the league scoring. What what changed? Was it the familiarity with, with Peter, or was it an opportunity that the coach put you in, or, or what was the light switch for you that went off? Yeah, definitely last year it was, it was a lot of just having familiarity and just having a chance. I mean, the big thing in the ECHL, I know a lot of guys have been through it. It, it is just getting your chance and getting your time to show what you can do. It's uh, the ECHL, the ever-changing hockey league. I mean, there's new guys every week, it seems like. And uh, it's just anywhere that you can really get your chance to show what you can do. I mean, when you get that opportunity, you definitely need to produce. And it's having just the familiarity and some trust from your coach was the biggest aspect of last season. And I know the definitely the last season getting cut short was tough for a lot of guys, but I mean, for myself personally, I, I really needed a good nine months. Um, I think we had 200 days off and I bet I was on the ice close to 200 times throughout 200 days. I know training with Ty Lewis and Dave Lewis was a huge part of my summer. Just working on the skating, working on the skills, definitely changing a little bit of the skill set was a huge part uh, for me this summer. And even just confidence, I mean, coming back, having Peter again here makes all the difference in the world. You're looking lean and mean too. Like this has got to be the 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 most fit Tyler Coulter that, that you've probably ever been at this point, you would say? Yeah, definitely. I would say that. I mean, nine months was taken very seriously in our household and um, it's, I came back with a goal and I hope, really hope it's starting to pay off a little bit now, but I mean, it seems like uh, every day there's a new challenge put out in front of you and you just need to keep going. Well, honestly, Ty, even in your 20 year old year, which was, was my first year uh, in the league, you still at 20 years old had a bit of a baby face. And I, even I look at pictures now, like I'm looking at your elite prospects picture from, from your 20 year old season. And it, it, you don't even look remotely the same from then to what you do now so what went into your training? Was it 90% diet, 10% work? Or, or how did you come around to this whole new fitness uh, regime that you, that you put yourself through? Yeah, it was definitely a little bit of that. I mean, just kind of learning what works for your body and what doesn't. Um, a lot in the diet changed, yes, but a lot in training as well. Uh, a lot less lifting weights. Uh, already being a big, strong guy, it's uh, the ability to move and get in and out of situations as fast as possible. So definitely back home with the uh, trainer, Paul Thompson at Outperform. We worked a lot this summer on just mobility and uh, I mean, everything quick. It's, it was definitely a painful summer. That's for sure. I can give it to him that way. When you get to that East coast league, I mean, growing up, you, you obviously want to play in the NHL and, and when you see your friends and your buddies and your teammates get there and you know that it's an achievable thing, then you start in the East Coast League. What What's the mindset like? Because I know now, I, I feel like the guys I've talked to, the mindset of the East Coast League is a lot different than it was, say, when you started your junior career. I feel like the last five, six, seven years, you know, the East Coast League isn't the laughing stock of pro anymore. It's a place where guys go that legitimately kickstart their development to the NHL. And we've seen that with a number of guys, including a guy like LT who gets into a game there the other night in, in Vegas. Yeah, it's the league has definitely changed a lot. Um, I mean, it is just like the American League. It is still a very tough league to play in, um, especially this season. Only twelve teams. It was. It's a hard league to find a job right now, and on top of being a hard league to play in, it's definitely a man's game. So, it, what that means, I mean, the the hitting is still there, the aggression is still there, but the power plays and the high end skill have definitely picked up. 
I mean, at least five guys per team have American League or NHL contracts. The skill is there. The speed is there. The league has changed a lot. And I think people are starting to realize that now. When you look at the situation with the whole COVID thing, now certainly we don't want to get too into it because we're trying not to focus on that now as we kind of turn a bit of a corner. But, you know, you're not that far away from Brandon. In the grand scheme of things, you know, nine-hour drive, you know, that's no different than going, you know, Brandon to Edmonton. And on the map, South Dakota's right there. So you said you had a sold-out crowd the other night. How many people is that? Were they all wearing masks? And what's it like walking around down there? Like, is it is it just almost like it's back to normal? Talk us a little bit about the current environment right now in Rapid City. So this summer, I know COVID was a bit of a hot spot here. And since then, it has very much cooled down. Um our crowd was, I think, about 4,700. We do have a 5,500 capacity. There is still social distancing sections for people who aren't comfortable or people who would like to social distance still. Uh, masks are required at the games, which is a good thing for us players. I mean, just even seeing it kind of gives you a little bit more reassurance. But life in general has changed a lot in that people still do wear masks out of respect but the rules are starting to loosen um, and people's mindsets are starting to get back to normal. It's a little bit more calm and a little bit more easygoing. So was it ever locked down? Like, were you always able to go and, and go to a restaurant or go pick up your own groceries or anything like that? Like I know here in Brandon, you know, for a while there, Falco and I couldn't, we still can't sit at a table together at Joe Beaver's because we don't have the same address on our license. So what, what was that like from away from the rink? Were you able to go out for a beer with your guys after the game? Yeah, we do. We have a list of restaurants that are league approved, and the list is pretty large. I mean, I think we have 25 restaurants we can choose from. Um, generally, the tables are social distance, but even like that, it's starting to come back to normal. Uh, I think every restaurant now is at 100% capacity again. Wear your mask in, and then when you sit down, you can remove it, but if you want to go for dinner with your teammates, that's allowed. Everything like that is getting back to normal life, which is really nice to see. And it's just a lot more relaxing. Yeah. Wow. It just seems like it's just a tale a of world. two worlds and, 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 it's, and it's just a couple of hours away right now. Um, you know, so as you get to play in front of 4,700 fans, uh, I'm here in Brandon trying to convey the games that are happening in Regina while Crow's there and he can't interact. And I mean, and, and, and you know how normally both me and Crow and, and everybody interacts with the team and, and our, and our fans and, and, and what, what, what we do here. Um, so yeah, you could, you understand how it's just so insanely different. But have you been able to watch any of the hubs so far? Have you watched any, any of the, of the Weeking Hockey? Actually, it's pretty funny to say that we did have the Weeking game on, uh, on our MacBook in our dressing room. Uh, the game started an hour earlier than our game so we were able to watch it while warming up watch the first period of brandon moose jaw so we got to see the first goal of the season and then you guys played the next night at the same time as us but i have seen all the highlights definitely saw mccarty go through the legs off the crossbar <laughs> i saw him do that about three or four times this summer so it doesn't surprise me he tried it this early oh flashbacks to john quinville right no kidding the only thing i was thinking though was if if Winnipeg had scored to tie it seconds after he missed, 
I don't know if we would ever be able to find Ben McCartney again because I think Don McGilvery <laughs> would have sent him off the uh, Wascana Bridge here in Regina for for not making the safe play there. I I I don't know what else he really. Could. I think that was the best chance. I mean, when you look at it, he had a wide open net. He just put it a little bit high, but that was an incredible move. Have you ever tried that, uh, Colts? In any of your pro games, tried it between the legs? Uh, I have not tried the between. Actually, it's a. No, I, I have tried the between legs this year. It's starting to become more of a net front move on the power play. You see a guy catch the pass and go through the legs, almost more of just a better chance of scoring now. It's, it's starting to become less of a unique move and more of putting it in the guy's repertoire. But I did a couple of games ago attempt the Michigan and uh, stuffed it right off the crossbar. So oh, yeah. I, uh, hopefully I'll get another chance at it. Well, I got a question sent in to me today from one of our listeners, uh, and you will have to go back into your memory bank to answer this question. And I won't tell you who it is. He wanted to remain anonymous, but you'll know when I ask the question. He says, right. hey, Crowey, ask Tyler on the podcast tonight if he still has or still wears his pink neck guard from an anonymous fan. <laughs> Do you remember anything about a summer hockey where you were wearing uh, a pink neck guard? So... I did have a red neck guard that maybe went through the wash one too many times, but it was from Ryan Stone's world junior championship where all I got to keep was a red neck guard. And I thought it was the best thing I'd ever found. And maybe I might've washed it or wore it for a little too long that I did have a pink neck guard for a while. <laughs> I think that's one of your dad's golfing buddies that maybe sent me that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I can figure that one out. <laughs> Re, real men wear pink. There's no shame in that. And especially with that backstory, man, that's awesome. Oh, it's from a great spot. So. How, how'd you get a hold of that? Well, Ryan was my billet when I when he played for the Wheat Kings, our family billet him. So we've uh, come across quite a bit of uh, sticks and gear from his time throughout the American League and the NHL. So I think that was... Uh, Maybe from his early days, but it was definitely the first thing in a long line of gear that I used from Ryan. I always love stories like yours, where a kid who grows up in Brandon, uh, that that in general, to, to make the Wee Kings is always special because they grow up knowing what it is. But especially when families like yours, and we hear this, where you get to billet a Wee King. So like you get to grow up and you're literally around the organization. You're at the games. You're not just cheering for the team, but you're cheering for your your brother and it's a whole new level than when you get to become one yourself so how many wee kings did you guys billet and tell us about some of those stories before we talk about you then becoming a wee king yourself yeah so we had ryan when i was uh, i think five right till through i was 10 so it was pretty neat having him around i mean we got to go to the draft in nashville when he was selected by pittsburgh the same year eric fair was drafted to washington and it was pretty neat. I mean, just that whole story. Like we got to drive down and attend a draft, see the Stanley Cup. That was pretty neat for a kid like me, just a young seven-year-old to get introduced to kind of some NHL stuff at that age. I mean, seeing a behind-the-scenes look was pretty cool. And then at the same time, becoming really close with Ryan's family. Whenever they'd come out, they'd stay at our house. And just that continued friendship. We played golf together this summer when I was out in Calgary. It was just really nice uh, to still just have that brotherly bond with him. And um, yeah, it's, it's something special just to look back on. I mean, what a role model to have. 
So to have him around and play mini sticks and play street hockey, do you think that that helped elevate your game at a at a younger age? And maybe have another Wheat Kings around? Like, did that ever come into play? Uh, definitely the mini sticks, but I don't know if he was uh, too happy when we were playing because normally it was after school when he was trying to finish up a pregame nap. I'd have both Caspic brothers and Brett Kidd over to our house, and we play road hockey mini sticks uh, right up until seven o'clock game time, and then one one parent would drive us over to the game and be a weekend game and then right back to bed and the same thing the next day it's funny you say that because uh when we've had uh joe mar cruz and chris dingman both on and both of them billeted at the ham household and <laughs> dinger said that the reason why he became such an angry player is because kyle was so young and such a whiny baby that he couldn't get any naps in because kyle was always so loud and screaming and throwing fits so Dinger says the reason he became an NHL tough guy was blamed on Kyle <laughs> being such a poor baby. Now that I think about it, Ryan was pretty tough and angry. So <laughs> maybe there's something. That's what that- I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to it. So you go from, from that cold. So now you become a member of the Wheat Kings. What was that whole transition like? Yeah, it was pretty special. I mean, at 15 years old, I went to Calgary Hitman camp undrafted. And then able to come back and uh, play for the midget program at 15, 16, and then getting uh, essentially listed, called up, and signed all pretty close together. And playing at 16 in front of the hometown was that was just a dream come true from there. And little did I know it would last five years. Um, going up and down a few times at 16 and midget there was just a nice taste to kind of see what I was getting into. It definitely helped elevate my game in midget, knowing what you had to get to which level to play with uh, 17 coming in. And I mean, Brett Kitt, one of my best friends making the team with me was something pretty special. Uh, we've been lifelong friends and then we got to do that together. So basically traveled Western Canada playing with uh, your friend and meeting some new ones along the way. And then, I mean, winning a championship, what more can you ask for? And being able to finish up my career there was just something super special. I tried to do the math uh, last year, maybe the year before. And I did a, I'd have to go back and find the actual numbers, but I did like a per capita Western Hockey League per city talent level that's come out of each city. So, for example, the city of Brandon isn't very big in the grand scheme of the 22 teams in the Western Hockey League. But the amount of WHL talent that has come out of the city of Brandon is astronomical. And it goes back before your time when you've got guys like Ryan White and Alex Plant and Tyler Plant. And, you know, and then it goes into kind of your age with, you know, the Gutenbergs and the, the Calder or uh, the Kalen Addisons. And, and then it goes into the Max Paddocks and the Calder Andersons and the Tate Popples and the, and the Caspics. And it just continues to go on and on and on every year. Where did that start? Like it, to me, it was obviously before you, but, and, and what makes it so special? Why are so many kids from Brandon playing in the Western Hockey League? You know, it it goes back to one thing you said. I think it is that small town mentality. I mean, growing up, we only were able to have four or five hockey teams. That's just as many players as we could get at each age group. So you get your 80 to 100 players, you'd make five teams, and you get to play against the same guys. So it makes everyone good and everyone competitive. And as the years go up, the numbers get smaller and smaller. By the time you get into Bantam, it's one or two teams. And by the time you get to midget, it's one team. And what stems from that is just players getting better and better together. 
and in big numbers. I think we had every single kid off my midget team play some sort of junior hockey, which is a pretty incredible number. I mean, talking to guys at this age, we reminisce about junior all the time. And when I bring up that number in midget, they just can't believe it because that's so unheard of. And I think it is just how good the Brandon Midget program is, is it develops junior players to hopefully de- develop pros. One well, of Joel Edmondson. I got the game. I got the Montreal Winnipeg game on right now. There's another guy, Joel Edmondson. I mean, I could sit here for hours just rattling off guys that I haven't even thought of off the top of my head, but one of my is- favorite photos after the WHL championship win in 2016 was Coles when we got the six Brandon guys, we got you guys together in the corner and we took the photo of the six of you holding the, the trophy. And that's the photo that hangs in the sportsplex here in Brandon. So when everybody walks in and it's just a testament that year that there was six Brandon guys on that roster to be a part of that special run. I mean, it, it was, it was special for, for everybody involved, but you know, especially for just for, for those guys who, like you said, grew up in this town, playing together like you guys played together i'm sure at multiple levels and then all of a sudden you're playing in the whl together still and bringing home the 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 championship do you remember taking that photo and looking oh, at those guys 100 i'll never forget that moment i mean it was pretty neat you're, you're such a close-knit group that it, it feels like every guy's from your hometown when you win something like that and then we get together and we look around and I, I've played at all levels. I mean, if it was Timbits, Novice, all the way up to, I mean, Pee Wee, Midget, we all played together at some age. And it was pretty special to just, you know, you grab the six guys around you and we're all from the same small community and we all got to win together. So that was one of the most special photos. And I actually have that in my house as well. It doesn't change, like, and it's all siblings, too. Like, I think about Goody's brother, you know, he played junior in Estevan, and then I look at Caspi's younger brother, he's up in Flin Flon, and, you know, you, you, you touch on all these guys that have, that have come in and, you know, either been a Wheat King or been a Western Hockey Leaguer, and I feel like now that that bar's been set, and even I look at other Brandon guys that maybe went the college route, you know, Zach Whitecloud's a great example, we've had him on our podcast, he's a guy you grew up with, similar age, different route but now he's a star in in vegas i mean he's just another kid to add to that group of summer guys that train so let's expand a little bit let's go outside the city of brandon because again you look at the the guys from around you got surus you know verdon and wyatt kalnick and and you go uh you know nipwa and all the area all these guys come together also what was that big brandon. smirk about surus when, when when you said surus Colts in the video got a real big smirk, like there's something brewing there. Jordan Thompson, <laughs> I think, is probably no. That's Wawanisa. That's Wawanisa. I, I just laugh, uh, especially when he said, uh, "I mean, White Cloud." It's unbelievable how, like you said, our summer skates. Uh, Ryan White is awesome when putting that kind of stuff together. I mean, he has his own kind of little spit and chicklets uh, Whitey's world going right now, and. It's funny, I wear my Whitey's World hat around the dressing room all the time because it's it's just like the one from Wayne's World. It's awesome. And he does a great job. I mean, we have 40 guys that skate together in the summer. We have two teams of 20. And all the way up from the pros, I mean, White Cloud, Edmondson, all the guys like Pulak, Sanheim, Powerluck, everyone comes back in the summer. We all train together. We all skate together. And like you said, in the new level junior guys, I mean, we get Calder Anderson, we get um, Ridley Gregg, we get all the nice high-end junior guys to come out and elevate their games as well. I mean, it's the pros playing against the pros, and then the junior guys playing against the junior guys, and when the line matches flip up, it's the junior guys against the pros. It's 
it's awesome for everyone in the summertime to come out and skate. And it, it just shows like Brandon, again, branding and surrounding area, how many good hockey players we're creating. There are some of those skates where we know they're going on in the North rink. And as the club, I was sitting there, I'm like, we could sell tickets to this just like we could a weekend game. You, you have no idea the level of talent. I don't care if they're just screwing around and they're not really back check. I don't, there are some huge names that are there that, 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 that are a part of that, that, that would be very cool to just, just, just to go and view, honestly. It's going to be an all-star yeah, team on its own. Like you put all those guys on one team. And, and throw them into a regular East Coast League game or American League game, there's enough guys that would be competitive. Oh, 100%. It's, it's quite, the, quite the roster that we've created now for the summer skates. Um, I guess I got, I got to ask you, you know, your goal ultimately is, is to play in the National Hockey League. That's every kid's goal uh, from the time they're old enough to put on their skates. So what is, what is the next step for you? I mean, you're obviously focusing on what you can do now, but – you know, you got your point per game guy in the East Coast League. Does that does that always transition into an offer? Are, are teams calling? What, what's how does this all work for a guy like you that's not on a on an American League contract? How does this work to climb the ladder for you? Yeah, especially with COVID. I mean, it's it is a different year. Uh, I know a lot of guys that are being sent up and sent down are on NHL contracts, um, especially with the American League teams having a taxi squad, the NHL teams having a taxi squad. It makes call-ups and call-downs a lot different this season. Uh, there definitely needs to be a lot of injuries for guys to move. And if they are moving, we had a guy signed with Rochester, uh, one of our defensemen, and instead of getting called up, he was there for the whole season. So it's definitely a different year in that route. But, I mean, for now, it's we're just fortunate. I know the American League, they're playing anywhere from 24 to 48 games. And we have a 72-game schedule planned out, which will then lead into full playoffs. and. I mean, as of right now, it's just getting through this uh, little mid-season grind right now. We were about eight games under 500, and I think now we're one game off. So we've been on quite a little tear here, and it's, yeah, going back to it, I mean, just kind of playing it day by day. It's, well, I'm curious to see what next year brings for sure, but, I mean, just kind of handle what you can control for the moment. Yeah, like when things get back to normal and then more teams start operating, like I know a number of leagues, they're – just shutting down operations for at least this season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that means a number of guys lose their, lose their jobs for the year. Um, you know, so for, for, for you to be in that spot and get to, you know, do and what you're doing and showcasing your skill and obviously having a good time while you're doing it. And if you're in a spot where you get, you know, almost a full crowd and you can go to like 20 plus restaurants, Stay there, man, because it's a lot yeah, better. Don't it's, don't come home, buddy. You know, just enjoy it, enjoy the run. And if you get a full season in playoffs, that's, you know, as a player, that's got to be a much more appealing aspect anyway. And if you were to get called off, not only are you talking, you know, about it's, it's difficult in terms of the contracts and the jobs, but wherever you go, chances are you got to do some kind of a 14 day quarantine, possibly depending on the league, um, rules. Wouldn't it be a lot better for you just to focus on, on, on doing what you're doing and just kind of make a run for the cup? And like you said, I love what you said about you and Peter having unfinished business because you guys were on that East Championship team that came up to Kamloops. Of course, you, the, or the Kelowna, the next year you got to win the championship. But let's talk about that heartbreaking year that you and Peter went up against Kelowna and Leon Dreisaitl, who just, man, looking and seeing what he's doing now in the NHL, it's like, I, I I vividly remember him tearing us up during that series, that series and being like, this guy's next level. 
looking back, what was that like, that experience? It was a pretty surreal moment. I mean, I remember Peter scoring in game one on the power play. It slap shot going right kind of by my shoulder and into the net and would to go up one nothing. I mean, the crowd was electric. We were just, we were up in the finals one nothing. And then it kind of seemed like we had uh, awoken something in them. And from then on out, the series kind of seemed pretty lopsided. So it was, it was definitely really neat. Uh, looking back now to see just how dominant that team was. I mean, to see one player take over a series like that was pretty incredible. And then in Kelowna, I mean, people were throwing brooms at you on the ice. It's, it's uh it was a pretty interesting moment to look back on and definitely it filled some fire for the next season. I mean, we made a lot of different moves and acquisitions because I definitely could tell in Krim's mind, he knew what we needed to win. It's funny how that happens because you guys beat Seattle and, you know, that was obviously a, a huge moment for, for the Brandon Weekings franchise. But in the same way that it happened the year before, you guys sparked something by beating Seattle because they come back and win the next year. So it, there's, all, there's a, something, I think, to be said about getting almost to the top of the hill and not getting to the top. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, there's definitely something about it. I mean, going back to my first couple of years in the Western League, it was Edmonton and Portland. And for about three or four years there, they kept knocking each other off the top. And it was not one year that a team was repeating. So there's definitely something to be said about uh, having a window and hitting the window. I see a lot of, there was a lot of great hockey teams in, in the league at our time. I mean, Red Deer being one of them almost every year. They were always very good and they'd run into us or they'd run into Edmonton. And it's just, it's amazing how it's losing at the top. Definitely finds good teams will find a way. As a Wee King fan, I always liked Crow, how that train of runner up and champion, how that ended with the Regina Pats. I don't know. There's something yeah. about that rivalry. I was just happy that Regina never ended up winning, <laughs> winning anything uh, or the Mem Cup. Uh, Coles, looking back on rivals, you know, does any of that carry over into pro? Is there any junior rivalry as your time as a Wee King that in, in, in your time in pro, either you came across guy that, that there was some words said, was there any, any fights so far that have, that, that have come of it? Has there been any like joking around or former rivals that have become teammates in any of your pro journey so far? That's a great question. I mean, it's, it's funny to see guys you've played against now in pro that the, the hate is almost gone because of where you guys have both been. I mean, I've, been over to Sweden. I've been to Jacksonville, Utah, kind of all around. And in those four years, you may not see someone that all of a sudden you're lining up across against. And at the same time as that, it's, I've had a couple guys where, I mean, we went to war every single night in junior, and then you show up somewhere and he's on your team. And uh, definitely one of the opponents, I remember Dyson Stevenson from Regina, I've lined up across from him many nights in Idaho or now Allen. And it's funny. He'll ask how's it going. He'll reminisce about the good old days after the game. And it's, it's pretty neat to see guys that you can move on from those rivalries. But at the same time, when you're out there, it feels like you're back. I mean, those guys are just competitors that you'll never lose that with. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's fire off a few rapid fire questions because Colts in my time, this is my fifth year. You were around for my first year. Um, and you have always been and, and probably always will be, and Caden Daly will be a close second, but 
my favorite interview because A, you're good at it, and B, you'll just go on forever. And that's not a bad thing, but there are some guys that come through that just you ask them a question and they give you absolutely nothing. So for me coming in, I could throw a softball at you and you could fill a whole pregame show. It was fantastic. I loved it. And that's that's why this is such a great guest to have you on here. So uh, let's do a little rapid fire. We'll, we'll hit you with some quick ones and uh, and see what's going on maybe away from the rink. So when this whole COVID thing hit and everyone was kind of locked down, what were you binging on TV? Is there a go-to show that you just couldn't stop watching? Uh, wow. Looking back, that's a long time ago now, but <laughs> I will remember this forever because it was Tiger King was definitely the start. I mean, I don't know who wasn't hooked onto that for a while. And then it was uh, catching up on, I mean, I was so far behind on stuff like suits and just how we started watching how to get away with murder, just old seasons that maybe just slipped us by that I ended up actually just loving. Any, any video game playing favorite video game going on? So much Fortnite. <laughs> there, Still? Yeah, there was uh, playing in uh, some, there's a guy on my team here in Rapid City who streams on Twitch. And we were playing in some pro tournaments together, and it was uh, it was getting pretty serious there for a while. Wow! Uh, do you got any uh, Do you got any good crim stories? Uh, like something that he said to you that always stuck with you, or something that he did that you were like at the time you were like, God, I hate, I don't like that guy as a coach. But then after it was over, you're like, eh, yeah, it worked. You know, maybe you should have listened to him. Uh, th- there's always one thing that I mean I'll remember, and I've told. Uh, Brett this all the time. He, Brett, Kit, and I went into the dressing room on the trade deadline day, and we kind of looked at each other like, there's, there's a lot of the same age guys in this room. I feel like something might happen. And he ended up getting traded. Best friend grew up with the guy, and Krim called me into the office about 30 minutes after the deadline. I'm glad he didn't do this before the deadline was over. And he called me in and said, I'm sorry I got rid of your best friend. Would you like his stall in the dressing room to kind of remember him by? So that was something that Krim uh, did. It was just a small thing, but something that I'll always remember is he was really good with her relationships. Did you oh, take great. it then? Uh, the stall? Oh, 100%. It was a great stall. <laughs> right in the middle of the room. It was awesome. <laughs> that's funny. Here's one for you. Do you remember uh, 2017 New Year's Eve? Does anything ring a bell about your final New Year's Eve game in Moose Jaw? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get off the bus. <laughs> where were you on the bus <laughs> i didn't make it out of the bathroom on the bus i have never <laughs> been so sick in my life uh i've had covid and that night was much much worse uh i don't think i got off the bus until or out of the bathroom until we passed elkhorn on the way home yeah i <laughs> i remember on the way home this is the funniest part of the whole thing and i don't know if you remember this but uh, we got on a moose jaw. I want to say it was like 10 after, you know, 10 after 11 or 10 to 11 or something like that. So we're busting along. We get past Regina and guys are still kind of talking. They all want to stay up till midnight or whatever. Well, it gets to like 1159 and you, <laughs> from the back of the bus in the bathroom, you hear guys, it's almost midnight <laughs> from this Tyler Coulter in this bathroom on the bus. I have never laughed that hard on the bus because nobody, everyone oh, forgotten yeah. you were even in there. But oh my god, I will never oh, forget yeah. that night. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that was a, it was a tough day to be me. Was it something you ate or what was it? I don't even remember because you were fine until we ate, wasn't it? 
Uh, I was a little sick leaving the house that day, and I think it must have just been a bug because I remember not eating pregame meal, and I thought I'll just have something when we get there, and I didn't even couldn't even get off the bus. It was just so sick. <laughs> uh, that's one. I've got another rapid. I got another rapid fire question here, but I I just can't skim over the fact that you just said that that you had COVID. Is everything like how was it for you? Did you experience many symptoms? Uh, I experienced every single symptom. Um, none of them were that bad. Uh, I, I went, I'd go through the list again and I, I had every single one. I was very fortunate. Uh, I know quite a few guys in my team and around the leagues have had it and there's no lingering symptoms. It's, we've all been really fortunate. I mean, it's something that it kind of comes and goes just like the average flu for, uh, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Some people it's no problem. Other people it's longer term, but that's, that's not a lot different from other uh, illnesses and sicknesses. So was it something, somebody, you know, were you tested or were you, how did this all come about? One day you just lost your sense of taste or what? So we're tested twice a week, uh, every single week. And uh, just before we left for a road trip, before Christmas time, uh, there was four of us that showed up positive. So we had to miss obviously the games, but we went into a 10 day quarantine, just like when we got here. And when we tested negative afterwards, we were good to come back to the rink after our 10 days, another test. You're good to come back. And obviously it's a tough day coming back. I mean, just getting your lungs back and all that stuff from more or less just sitting around the house for 10 days, mm-hmm. but it's been very good. I mean, we wear a mask right into the rink, right into the dressing room. Our temperatures are taken. I'm sure the same as the bubble and stuff like that, right. but it's, uh, it's all very protocol. So are you're good now though? Like if you, yeah, I mean, everything's good. You're good now. Oh yeah. There's I obviously, I mean, he's tied for uh, leading the league in scoring. What are we asking him that for? He's good. <laughs> he's good. All right. Back to my rapid fire question. Uh, if you were not playing professional hockey, what sport would you be playing? Oh, it's gotta be golf. Just love the game. Uh, don't like the fact that I can't get under 80, but, I mean, there's uh, something about it. I mean, my mom and my dad are both very, very good golfers. And it's just that competitive nature in our family. It's uh, bugs me that I can't get up to their level. Was that always so, kind of like your summer sport? Did you ever play baseball growing up or soccer? Doing anything else? I tried about almost every single sport, but the, uh, the coordination on any sport where I need to use my feet or a bat or any type of ball was not good. So it was just, you know, maybe I'll stick to golf and cheer my friends on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, earlier this week on spit and chicklets, uh, I'm sure all you guys in the East coast league, of course they had the ECHL player relief fund and, and, you know, biz is a ECHL hall of famer as we all know. Um, But they were talking about, they were talking with Mark stone and they said, okay, who on the Vegas Golden Knights would win in a golf tournament? And he said, hands down, Zach Whitecloud. Now, I've seen Zach golf. I've golfed with Zach. If if that group of summer hockey guys all got together, is he winning that tournament as well? He is not. No. Who's, uh, winning, the, who's winning the Brandon tournament then of all the pro guys? I, I mean, Jace would tell you it's Jace, but it's not. Uh, it's probably Zach Whitnick. That oh, guy is a player and he him Calder Anderson and Nolan Ritchie were all under par this year at the little tournament there at Wheat City. So, I mean, those three guys can play. Well, maybe we have to organize this. 
and we can come up. We can come up with something. We'll have Zach be the the measuring stick. Yeah, maybe we can pull something off here if COVID if COVID lifts. So Falco mentioned playing other sports. Now, obviously, you know your parents, business people, you know, hardworking blue collar Brandonites. If you weren't playing pro hockey, and I'm sure you've had this conversation with your with your mom and your dad, what would your other option be? If you couldn't play hockey tomorrow and you were done forever, are you going to be a real estate agent? Where are you going? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd be into that right away. Uh, I definitely think it it would be something to do in the sports world. I'm not sure. It def, if it's not playing, it'd definitely be something along the lines of for hopefully scouting agents, something like that. But it's uh, I think that's one thing that helps me drive is I don't know other than hockey right now. That's kind of where my head is at is this is really all that matters at the moment. And I think that's uh, probably what's leading to maybe hopefully some of the success. That's a great, great mindset to be in. Fantastic. Um, what is your favorite jersey? Because now you've worn some pretty cool ones. What's been the favorite, favorite jersey so far? You don't have to be biased. We all know the Week King logo is, is, is one of the best in all of sports. But uh, is that number one or, 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 or is there another? Yeah, I've, uh, there's definitely uh, the East Coast League. You get to wear a lot of different jerseys. Um, there was one we wore the other night. I'm not saying it's my favorite by any means. I'm just saying it was interesting. was uh, the superhero Cheetah. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Cheetah, the superhero. It is Catwoman's nemesis, I believe, or Wonder Woman's nemesis. <laughs> and that was a learning. I've never had that in my life uh, where I didn't know a superhero and wore the jersey. But as far as favorite jersey goes, it's got to be the one I grew up in still to this day, which I got to wear in my 20-year-old year, the all-black and the yellow wheat stock. And I still think that's got to be my favorite to this day, just because at five years old, that was the jersey I looked up to and eventually got to wear. Yeah, that's I awesome. That's, yeah, yeah. So, so that was a pretty special year because that was the, the 50th year of the organization. So we got to do a number of throwbacks that year, and all of the jersey throwbacks were from, from different eras. So, yeah, for, mm-hmm. for a Brandon kid to get to wear that, I mean, you got to wear the jerseys in the 60s, from the 70s, the 80s, all 90s. The way, yeah. all, all the way. In one season, you got, you got to wear them all. That, that, that is pretty cool. If there was a situation where you were only allowed to keep one piece of memorabilia that you've kept over the years, I mean, hockey guys collect all sorts of things. And I know at the time, Scooter probably wasn't overly willing to let you take too many things out of the locker room because he's pretty tight on that stuff, especially when it comes to tape and other things. But if you had one piece of memorabilia from your career going back to Brandon, Midget, over in Europe, uh, what would you keep of, of everything you've ever had? I have my jersey uh, from my championship in uh, Kekwansta, which was the team I finished with. And it's uh, definitely the one thing I keep. I mean, the, just the decals, the logos, all the sponsorships on it. It's, it's something pretty neat. Um, it's being that decked out in so many different patterns and logos on one jersey is pretty special. And that's probably not something you can buy in a store, whereas a weeking jersey you can get pretty much anywhere online. That That's the uniqueness of it. I like it. Yeah, there definitely, I think, was only one of those. How many how many ads do you think roughly <laughs> are on the jersey? On the, from the socks, the pants, and the jersey, I would say there was probably anywhere from 30-ish. 
That's amazing. <laughs> See, yeah. that would have been funny here because we've all seen we've all seen your mom's uh, billboards on the benches and whatever and the ads. With it. I think it would have been hilarious if the Wee Kings had that and you had to wear your mom's real estate logo on like your pants or something. I thought that that would have been awesome. Oh, I I just remember sitting on the bench and her having the ads pop up on the jumbotron every period, and all the boys kept nudging me. <laughs> oh, that is just priceless. Uh, well, Ty, this was awesome. Um, one of the best I- things, sorry, I was going to say, one of, one of the best things is when we have players who have business people as parents because we always go to them for adopt a player. It's like a built-in sponsorship. So, <laughs> of course you want to sponsor your own kid and get on the Jumbotron. That's <laughs> exactly it. Oh. <laughs> Well, this was awesome, Tyler. I, I Like I said before, you will go down. Uh, you were one of my very first ever Western Hockey League interviews, uh, and you will always go down as one of my uh, favorite guys to interview. Uh, I've golfed uh, in and around uh, with your dad at Oak Lake on men's nights and, and things like that. Hopefully this summer uh, you can come back and uh, you know maybe you and I can swing the sticks a little bit and uh, you can lay the boots to me because uh, Oak Lake, that Oak Island gets me every time. I just can't. I can never put a full round together at Oak Island. So uh, maybe we can get together play some golf. Maybe we can organize a little Brandon tournament and we can put white cloud up to the test. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Hopefully we get back, uh, back to a little bit of normality. and I can come out and see the boys this summer. And you're never ever too far from me in this house because the gold rush ticket that had your face on it, uh, that you autographed for Jude after the game way back when it's still framed up in his room. So I still see that on a regular basis as well. So I'm, I'm, oh, that's awesome. you know, so I, I, I'm sure that your time here in Autograph Alley, all the connections that you've made with all the Brandon kids over the years, there's probably a lot of Tyler Coulter autographs still hanging in some bedrooms. So thank you for taking the time to do the podcast here tonight. Good luck the rest of the year there. Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. That is the East Coast Hockey League's leading scorer right now in Tyler Coulter. He's tied uh, with uh, with one other fella. We're not going to give him any credit because you know we got to give it all, all the love to Tyler Coulter because he <laughs> took time in between games. Uh, they played last night. We normally would have recorded um, last night, but uh, he jumped on with us today. We told stories. We hit stop on the record button and told some even funnier stories that aren't podcast friendly. They're maybe spit and chicklets friendly, <laughs> but they're not quite weekly harvest friendly. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, Tyler's one of the, the all-time Wheat King personalities and uh, glad to see him uh, doing as well as he is down in the East Coast League. But uh, he's, he's kept an eye on his team. As you heard, they had the game on in the dressing room, and uh, you know, he, he's a big Wheat King fan still. There's still a few guys around that he uh, had a chance to play with or train with in the summer, and uh, you know, he's, he's another guy in that long line of Brandonites that have made it to the Western Hockey League, and I look at this Brandon team, Lennon McCollum, Ty Thorpe, those are guys that looked up to Tyler. Uh, growing up. So anyway, it was a great interview and uh, glad he could join us down from Rapid City. Yeah, really definitely appreciate it. Next up for your Brandon Wee Kings, uh, we briefly mentioned before we got into the interview, but uh, coming up this week, Crow, you got the defending champion, uh, still defending champion, PA Raiders. And still. And still champion, Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, so that game is going to be a 5 o'clock game. So you got the Broncos on Thursday at 9 o'clock. You got the Pats Saturday at 9 o'clock. Three games coming up in, in this little stretch. All those games, of course, going to be on Q Country. And uh, of those, Crow, we're only going to get to hear you once on the stream, though. And that's the game coming up on Thursday versus uh, Swift Current Broncos. Yeah, that it sucks. I got to be honest with you. This, this entire hub thing is so well organized. And I got to tip my cap to, to Kevin Minch and, and Taylor Roca and all the guys of the league and the Pats, Evan Dom, uh, everybody, Stacey Cattell with the Pat, everybody that's organized this thing has nailed it. The one thing that they dropped the ball on 
was the streaming service. Now, I know we're still in the early stages, and the video does look good. I will admit, the games I've watched from here in my hotel room, it looks good. There's, there's, there's good production value. There's good potential here. But it really irritates a lot of fans, not just in Brandon, but everywhere else, that they have to listen to the other team's broadcaster. So for whatever reason, they only are able to take one audio feed with this new system. For now. For now. They're they're trying to change it. But they've only designated one line, and that is the home team. So, for example, tomorrow night, or tonight, rather, against Prince Albert, you're going to hear Trevor Redden from CKBI and PA. Love Trevor. Good on the radio. But he loves the Raiders. So for a Week King fan, it's no different than me. The Raiders don't want to hear me talking. You know, the Mooster Warriors, they don't care what Brandon Crow has to say, and it's, it goes the other way. So, to me, it's a little annoying that way. I, I love telling stories that are specific to Wee King fans. You know, I, I can tell the, the stories about guys' parents or brothers or siblings or things that happen in Brandon and stuff like that that just doesn't get heard otherwise. So, that is my only frustration right now with that. And hopefully, by the time, the, you know, this gets going a little bit, they can figure that out. I know with today's technology, it's got to be possible. So, uh, for those of you that were wondering, well, why can't we pick? Why can't we listen to Crow? You only get me for 12 games this year uh, on the stream. Uh, you can try and do the radio sync up, but I feel like it's a little bit too far. I know my wife and her friend's sister, they tried it, and it was delayed a bit. It was about 15 seconds difference, and they couldn't match it up. So you can try it at home. Maybe try it with an old-school radio, see what you can do. But uh, next week, the following week, uh, Monday and Wednesday against Saskatoon and Moose Jaw, those will be me. So you'll get me this Thursday against Swift, then you'll get me Monday, thir- Monday, Wednesday next week. So uh, either way, they're all on Q Country, but for those of you watching at home, you won't get to pick and choose. But for those yeah. of you that are at home, you do have a chance to win, though, and uh, the team coming up with the new 50-50 thing, and that's uh, that's a pretty cool idea, and a lot of teams are doing it, Falco. Yeah, so we are doing a digital 50-50. I encourage people to go check this out. It's weekings.com slash 50-50. From there, uh, there's a simple link. You can go and you can uh, you can buy your tickets. Help support the 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 club, just like normal the like, like normal season. The fifty fifty it goes to the club scholarship foundation and all the good that that does. Um, so it's the same thing. We're just going digital. So you, all you have to do is be in Manitoba. So as long as you're within the provincial boundaries, uh, that's the way that the whole geotag is set up. You can buy a fifty fifty ticket. So if you're eighteen plus, I uh, would love for you to go and uh, and help support the club and help do that. It's going to be going in two-week uh, increments. So every two weeks, there's going to be a draw happening throughout the season. Again, super simple to find. Even if you don't want to type in the, the 50-50, go to weekkings.com, and there's like four big buttons right at the top, and one of them is 50-50. So you click it. As of right now, this recording, the pot's at about $1,800. So you, you just go on, on uh, select it. You got 50 for 50, 10 for 20, 3 for 10, they yeah, got the 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 raffle closes every every two weeks on Sunday. So I encourage you to go check that out. And uh, while you're online too, go check out bwkstore.ca. Just a reminder, they still got those great jersey sales on all of the old jerseys because we got those beautiful new ones. Oh, and it looks so good, Crow, to have those guys hit the ice in those beautiful new threads. They are the favorite jerseys uh, since I've been with you know in, in, with the club here for six seven seasons. The favorite that that we've worn. I think they look so sharp. But all the old the models that we still have they're all still 50 percent off so some great savings on there for some jersey collectors head online check that out at bwkstore.ca you bet and we've got a few lines in the fire for the next couple of weeks on the pod uh we do have not this week but next week we might have a bit of a scheduling issue not this week but next week maybe because we have a game on the monday night 
So we'll have to, we might push it back a day, but uh, just we'll, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop. We'll yeah. You know what's going on. We, so. we are going to figure some stuff out there. Uh, before we close out, just going to open up the email inbox. For those who want to get a hold of us, it's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Letter Q at weeklyharvest, G, or qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Uh, in the email inbox here, got a couple actually that, uh, it was my bad crow. Last week, I actually, I actually uh, uh, kind of missed this one. Uh, Richard Marsh, uh, he sent an email and was asking about uh, both the BC division, uh, and, and he actually had some some great ideas here about how it would work in the draft lottery if BC doesn't play. Uh, but now, uh, Richard, uh, thankfully, you don't have to hear us ramble about the what if that is now not going to be because uh, BC has got approval, so they are going to be going uh, inside of their hub and they're going to be doing it in Kelowna and uh, Kamloops because they're on the same health authority. So that makes perfect sense out in BC. So uh, you know, really looking forward to uh, uh, to the BC kicking up. And and then uh, Richard says uh, on a different email that he'd love to have us uh, talk about the uh, coordinator of the hub, about how they're doing the schedule, how you could possibly ice all the teams, about how they're doing the dorms, how they're scheduling. Well, those people are still, of course, very much in the thick of things. Uh, but once this all wraps up, uh, I, you know, we, of course, we do know those people in the Regina Pats organization and would be very glad to uh, to try and get them on and talk about that. So I think that'd be great, great once it's all wrapped up for us for us to do that. But any more emails? We'd love to hear from you it's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com and uh, we know uh lots of people have texted me i know that lots of people uh, dan block out in red deer he's one of our loyal listeners uh, we know there's lots of weeking fans paying attention uh, we appreciate your support um just uh, subscribe on on apple follow us wherever uh we're really trying right now uh we hit ten thousand downloads uh so thanks to everybody for downloading putting up with us listening in your car wherever uh, we're also, uh, when you compare us to the rest of uh, Canada, the CHL, we're one of the top junior hockey-focused podcasts in Canada. So uh, that's all because you guys are listening every week and uh, downloading and, and talking about it, and uh, it's awesome. So thanks, guys. We'll, uh, we'll try and keep you in the loop uh, inside this, as they call it, the Subway uh, Hub Center, more like a sub hub it's the sub hub it's a classic sub name i love it what a great promotional it's tactic it's the, the it's the dub sub hub and this is the weekly harvest presented by coors light the official beer of the brandon wee kings until uh, until next week go weedies go cheers be sure to follow q country and the wee kings on twitter and facebook for all your brandon wee kings news thanks for listening to the weekly harvest